Thank you for coming today. If you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we're starting a new series called Detour. And as we begin this series, let me tell you about a detour that I had in my life. So a few years ago, I was coming home from Jacksonville after an event. It was late at night and I was on the interstate and you know, like Jacksonville's been under construction for like all of my life. Well, I was on what I thought was the interstate and there was a road that went off and I, I thought I was supposed to take that road and I was not supposed to take that road and I found myself following a detour in Jacksonville late at night, bad part of town. So after driving around for too long and seeing the same landmarks too many times, I realized that I was lost and you would think that I would stop and ask for directions. But guys, did I do that? Of course not. A real man would never stop and ask for directions. You know, if it takes me eight hours to find my way, I will. I will. I'll figure it out because, you know, I'm just that kind of guy. I'm up for that kind of challenge. And so um, I didn't ask for directions, but I did finally make my way back onto the interstate and driving home. And as I was driving home and have experienced other things like that, it made me think that sometimes life feels like a detour. There are moments where we're trucking along great, everything's going fine, we're on the interstate of life, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves off the interstate. We find ourselves in unfamiliar territory. We find ourselves on a detour. And maybe some of you know what that's like. Maybe you found yourself on a medical detour. Like I know some folks, uh, some friends of mine that decided it was time for them to start a family and the husband was super excited about that process and that was like a joke. You could laugh partially there. Thank you. For, uh, like it's coming. You'll get it. There's a couple other jokes. You can laugh with me. So they decided it was time to start a family and then when they began that process, they found out there were some things that were wrong. They couldn't start a family. So they were off kind of the interstate that they wanted to be on, and then they found themselves on this detour, talking about infertility issues, um, looking at treatments, talking about how much this is going to cost us and whether this is going to work or not. Uh, maybe you found yourself on a vocational detour. Um, I know some other folks that uh, moved from one place to another place for a job situation. They got to that new community, that new job went in and found out that job was not what they thought it was going to be. And that left them trying to figure out, like, how do I find a better job? Like, now what do I do? Like, I've moved from my family. I've moved from my home. I've moved to this new place. I don't know anybody here. I don't know what to do. I don't know the next best step for me. And they're in this spot where they feel like they're lost. Or maybe everything was going along fine for, for some of you, and then you lost someone that you love. Maybe someone that's been in your life for a very long time, and then through whatever circumstances, they're not there anymore, and you're wondering, like, now what do I do? And you find yourself on new territory, unfamiliar territory, territory where you don't know, like, what the road signs mean, and you're not sure really how to get back to a life that makes sense to you. We all come across detours in our lives, and there's all kinds of different detours that are out there. And so I'm just curious, how many of you would say that you've ever experienced a life detour before? Okay, many hands here. How many of you would be honest enough to say that you're on one right now? 
Okay, a lot of hands up right now. How many of you would say you're sitting next to your detour? All right, don't raise your hand. That's not nice. That is so not nice. You're going to have to have some therapy after that, counseling with that person to work that out. Like, that's not okay. Okay, Um, if you have ever been on a detour, if you are on a detour, if you ever will be on a detour, you came on a great Sunday because today we're starting this series about detours and we're going to learn what we should do when we find ourselves on a detour in life. And there are some great things for us to learn in this series. There are some things that we should do, and there are some things that we should not do. Um, I've found in my life that I can make my detours a whole lot longer than they should be because of how I respond to my detours. And maybe you found that in your life as well. So we're going to learn about the things we should do, some things that we should not do. And we're going to learn from some travel companions that we're going to have for the next four weeks together. We're going to learn from a group of people that lived about 3,500 years ago. We're going to learn from the ancient group of people called the Israelites in a time when they were growing as a nation and they found themselves on a major detour in their lives. Now, let me just say something about this. Sometimes we can read the Bible and go, you know, like, what can we learn from a group of people that lived 3,500 years ago? Like, they don't know what our lives are like. They don't know the pressures that we're under. They don't know what it's like to be in our world. But I guarantee you, as we walk through this story with them, you're going to find yourself in the story more often than you realize And there's a lot that we can learn from the Israelites and what they did. And there's probably a lot more that we're going to learn from what they should have done and some of the things that they should not have done on this journey. If you're not familiar with the ancient Israelites, let me tell you a little bit of their story. I'm going to go back 4,000 years ago to a man named Jacob. So Jacob had 12 sons and he lived in modern day Israel, that area. And one of his sons was Joseph. If you know the story of Joseph in the coat of many colors, then you know that that Joseph. That's the guy we're talking about here. And Joseph was hated by his brothers because he was his dad's favorite son. That's why he ended up with that coat of many colors. And his brothers hated him so much, they came up with this idea that they were going to sell him into slavery. Now, I know that sounds tempting to those of us with siblings, you know, especially in those moments when they were you know, bullying us or picking on us, but these guys actually pulled it off. They sold Joseph into slavery to the Egyptians. And Joseph's story is amazing. He went from the dungeons of Egypt to number two in command of Egypt. Amazing story. You can read in Genesis chapter 37 and beyond. I really encourage you to read that this week. There's some really powerful elements of Joseph's story. But when his brothers discovered they had a famine in their land, they had to go to Egypt to get food. And guess who they had to get their food from? They had to go buy their food from Joseph. And when they figured out this was Joseph, they thought that he was going to kill them, but he did not. There was a big family reunion. There was lots of tears. There was lots of forgiveness. And he invited the whole family to move to Egypt to survive the famine. So Jacob and all of his his kids and grandkids moved down to Egypt. There's about 70 of them at that time. And then they started to grow. And they grew to about 2 million people. And that alarmed the king of Egypt. So listen to what Exodus chapter 1 verse 8 says. It says, eventually a new king 
came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. And he said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, then they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. Verse 11 says, so the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. So life was horrible for the Israelites in that moment of their existence. Exodus chapter 2, verse 23 says, Years passed, and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groanings, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember that guy, Jacob? Well, God made a promise to Abraham that that dates back sometime before this period. And God promised Abraham, listen, Abraham, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you famous throughout the entire world. I'm going to bless your descendants, and I'm going to bless the world through you. So that was a promise that God made, and he remembered that. And so, verse 25 says, he looked down on the people of Israel, and he knew it was time to act. So God acted by going to a man named Moses and asking Moses to go and free the people of Israel from their slavery in Egypt. Now, Moses has an amazing backstory, and we're not going to get into that story in this series Um, But I encourage you to read it. You can read about it in the early parts of Exodus. It's an amazing story. God showed up in supernatural ways to talk to Moses. If you ever heard of the story of Moses and the burning bush, that was God speaking through this burning bush uh, to Moses at this moment. And God said to Moses in Exodus 3, verse 7, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. We're going to pause there for a a moment of personal application for us. There are many moments when we are going through life, especially on a detour, when something's painful for us, where we wonder, is God aware of what I'm going through? Does God know how painful this experience is right now? That was a question that my wife and I asked for several years when uh, we were walking through a medical detour. Um, About 12 years ago, my wife's health went from great to terrible, almost overnight. And we didn't know what was going on. So we started going from doctor to doctor, specialist to specialist. We went to Shan's Medical Hospital twice looking for answers and got none. And we felt... Many nights in the darkness of our home that we were alone. And so we would ask that question. God, are you aware? Are you aware of our pain? Are you aware of our suffering? Are you aware that nobody seems to be able to help us? Our next question was, God, do you care? And we were real concerned about that because if God is aware 
and he doesn't care, that makes us wonder, is that a kind of guy, God that we want to follow? If God isn't aware, what kind of God is that that isn't aware of our suffering and what we're going through? But God answered those two questions about 3,500 years ago when he spoke to Moses about the Israelites. He said, listen, I am aware of their suffering. God is aware of your suffering. God's aware. Not only is God aware, but God cares. So God told Moses in verse 8, he said, so I have come down to rescue them. God cares, so it moved him to action. And that action was to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Termites now live. <laughs> Look, I, uh, the cry of my people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh, Moses. You will lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. So not only is God aware of the Israelites and their issues, not only does God care about their situation, God is moved to action and God will rescue them. And God does the same thing for us. God's aware, God cares, and God will rescue you. No matter what situation you're going through, no matter what detour you're on, God will rescue you. And think about the context of this God sent someone else over 2,000 years ago to rescue all of us from the slavery of sin. Anybody know who that is? Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus said, I'll go. I'll go and die on a cross so that they can be forgiven of their sins and can have eternal life. So God rescued us in that context for all of eternity, but God shows up to rescue us every day. So when you're in a spot where you're wondering, does God care? Is God aware? Yes, he does care. Yes, he is aware. And yes, he's going to show up to rescue you. You may not like when it comes. You may not like how it comes. You may not like who God uses to show up in your life to help rescue you. But God's going to send somebody. And God's going to show up to rescue you. Now, before we see how God's going to rescue the Israelites, I want us to see where God wanted to take the Israelites. So in verse eight, he said, listen, I'm going to take them to their own land. And land was valuable back then. The land is still valuable today, but back then you're thinking about a slave nation that has known nothing but slavery. And God says, I'm going to take you to your own land. And it's a, a land of abundance. I'm not going to leave you in slavery. I'm not going to leave you in the desert. I'm going to take you to your own land. I actually think that's a promise that still applies to us today. I think that God wants to take all of us to our own promised land. And I'm talking not just eternity, you know, the promised land of heaven. I think that is true for all who are Christ followers and all who will become Christ followers. But I think there are promised lands that are still in our lives today that we can experience. And I think God wants to lead us to those places. It falls under the umbrella of what Jesus said when he said, I have come that they might have abundant life. Jesus said, listen, I've died so you can live an abundant life. 
And that life often looks very different than what we make it out to look like, but it's a life centered on Christ and Christ alone and in the abundance of a relationship with him and how the world can experience that. So I think there's some amazing places that God wants to take us. I think he wants us to, to help fix broken relationships in our lives, broken finances in our lives, broken hearts. I think there's amazing places that God wants to take us. But before he takes us to those places, often he takes us on a detour first. Exodus chapter 13 tells us about that detour, but between chapter three and chapter 13, there's a lot that happens there. So God goes to Moses, says, Moses, I want you to go see Pharaoh and and tell him to let my people go. Moses says, "Uh uh-uh, pick somebody else. I'm not up for the job. God says, Moses, you're the man I've chosen. You need to go. Moses goes, no, like, really, God, somebody else, anybody else. God says, Moses, like, I've chosen you. It's time to go. And Moses finally agrees, and he takes his brother Aaron with him, and they go back to, to Egypt. They go to the Pharaoh. They go to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh goes, God who? Like, uh-uh, I'm not going to do that. No, go away. Moses goes back to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh goes, no, go away. Uh, they had that conversation 10 times. Imagine how fun of a conversation that was for both of them on either side of that. Finally, through some supernatural events, again, that you can read about in the book of Exodus, Pharaoh finally says, go, just get out of here. And he lets them leave. In chapter 13, verse 17, It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. If they would have taken that route, it would have only taken several weeks to get there, but God did not lead them that way, and and he continued to explain why. Verse 17 continues, and it says, God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. So here's what God knew about the Israelites. He knew they had lived as a slave nation for 400 years. He knew they didn't know how to live as his specially chosen people who would represent him to the world. So he knew there's some things I got to change in how they think and how they feel and how they behave. If they're going to represent me, they got to change how they live. And so God took them on a detour for that to happen. Here's the same thing I think that God knows about us and why God leads us on detours in our lives. Because God knows there are some things that need to change in how we think and how we feel and how we behave as we represent him to the world as his followers. And so often God will take us on a detour in order to do that. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell the person sitting next to you today that God has some work to do in you. Go ahead, go ahead, say that. All right, good job, good job. All right, the next thing I want you to do is whoever said that to you, say back to them, God has more work to do in you. All right, go for it. Okay, then the last thing I want you to say, we're all gonna say this together. God has the most work to do in Trent. Great, thank you. One person told me that. So yes, God has a lot of work to do in me. 
um, and I want to be the kind of guy that lets God, God work. So here's the thing about God and detours. God does some of his best work on the detours in our lives. God does some of his greatest work in those moments when we are totally dependent upon him. And if he doesn't show up, we're in trouble. That's where God does his greatest work. And I want you to watch how God started to work in the Israelites. In Exodus 14, God led them to the edge of the Red Sea. And um, Pharaoh, before they left, he, he turned on the location finder on somebody's cell phone so he could figure out where they were. And he figured out like, oh, they're at the Red Sea, which meant to Pharaoh, they were stuck. They had nowhere to go. And so Pharaoh thought, this is my opportunity. I'm going to go get them and put them back into slavery and bring them back and teach them a lesson. They should never do this again. So he gets his army together and says, let's go after them. Okay, so imagine we're the Israelites and we're staring into the Red Sea. We've got the Egyptian army coming behind us and we're a little bit nervous. Like we have no options, nowhere to go. That's what detours feel like sometimes. We get on a detour and we're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what road to take. Like I'm out of options. It feels like a dead end. I'm in a dead end financially. I'm in a dead end relationally in, in this context of this relationship with somebody else where this is broken. Like I'm in a dead end medically. Like I have no other options. But let me remind you this morning, God always has more options. He's never out of options. And we have to turn to him for those options. Now the people of Israel were not all that great at turning to God in those moments. That's why Exodus 14, verse 10 says, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? See if any of what they're about to say sounds familiar to you. Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Like, what have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. And I read that and I think that is so sad. The Israelites have forgotten so quickly what God has done supernaturally in their lives to free them from slavery. And when they get to a spot where they're totally dependent upon God, a spot where God's going to work in their lives, they want to go back to slavery. They want to go back to the place that they begged God to free them from. I think that is so sad. Until I have to be honest about myself and admit that there are moments that I do that. There are moments where I ask God, God, I just want you to work supernaturally in my life. And he begins to work. And sometimes he leads me to what feels like a dead end. Sometimes he leads me to a spot where I am totally dependent upon him. And if he doesn't show up and work, I'm sunk. Like it's over. He leads me to the perfect spot that all of us should be in, a spot of total dependence upon God. And in those moments, there are some times where I say, God, this is so uncomfortable I would like to go back to a, a season of my life when I was partially dependent upon you. 
Because in that spot, like I had options. There were things that I could do. And there are moments that I think I've got a better plan than you do. But if we're ever going to make it to the promised land that God has for us, we've got to trust God in those moments when we feel like we have no options. We've got to turn to him because he's the only one that really has any options for us. So the Israelites were scared to death. Moses told them in Exodus 14, verse 13, don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And then I think Moses started handing out merchandise that looked like this. Whoever stole that tagline, got it from Moses. And you found out this morning, they owe Moses a lot of royalty money when they see him. All right, I love what God said in verse 15. He said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Moses, correction, don't tell them to stand there. Like there's something I want them to do. I want them to take a step of faith. Tell them to start moving. And he says, pick up your staff, raise your hand over the seas, divide the water so that the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Another one of the miracles of God. Can you imagine being the Israelites going, uh, we're going to do what, Moses? You're parting the sea and we're going to walk through on dry ground. I mean, that's pretty fantastic that we're, we're going to walk through on dry ground. But how do we know like those walls of water are going to stay there and not crash in on us? So they had to take a step of faith and they walked through the Red Sea. They didn't walk through uh, knee deep mud to get through there. They walked on dry ground. God had perfect provision for them. Imagine walking past a wall of water and watching the fish swim by and maybe poke their head out and go, hey, what are you guys doing? Like, this is weird. Like, you're in our home. Get out. So two million people, all of their livestock, made it safely on the other side. And when they did, Moses lowered his staff in his arms and God collapsed the sea on the Egyptian army who chose to follow them. If you're one of the Israelites, like, what are you going to do in that moment? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody pulled out their cell phone and God is awesome, posted on every social media account they had. Like, they were singing praises to God in that moment. Exodus chapter 15 records the song of praise that they sang to God. And they committed in that moment, God, we will always follow you. Moses, we will always follow you as well a promise they didn't keep. But in that moment, they were so in awe of God and his supernatural ability to work in their lives. And all they had to do was trust God and take a step of faith and walk through on dry ground when God did that supernatural miracle for them. In just a minute, we're gonna sing a song called Fighting for Us. It's a song about God defending us in moments when we need to be defended, fighting for us in those moments when we need to be fought for. So as we sing this song, what I want you to do is I want you to think about a detour that maybe you are on or, or somebody else is on. 
And I want us to learn from the Israelites this morning, do some things that they did, and there's some things they didn't do. We don't want to do those. But this morning, the first thing I think that they did was so great was they cried out to God for help. Maybe that's what you need to do this morning. Maybe your next step, maybe your step of faith this morning is to just cry out to God and say, God, I need you. I'm in a spot of total dependence upon you. I don't want to run back. I want to keep moving forward. So maybe this morning, you need to just cry out to God and remind yourself that he's aware, that he cares, that he will rescue you. And he's the only one that has the options that ultimately can help you. This morning, if you need help, crying out to God. I encourage you to stop by our care center before you leave. As you're walking out, it's on the left-hand side, and there'll be somebody there. Uh, Pastor Brian will probably be there hanging out. He would love to pray with you. If you need somebody to help you, cry out to God. As we're crying out to God, we need to remember that sometimes God's rescue involves a detour, and on that detour is where God does his greatest work in us. So we've got to trust our guide and allow him to work. Say, God, like, I don't understand it. This is new new territory for me, unfamiliar territory. I don't know where we're going, but I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to follow you on this detour in my life. So maybe somebody here this morning is dealing with a work detour. Maybe there's some work situation that's really stressful and it's got you up at night and you're not sure what to do. Maybe it's made you anxious. Maybe it's made you a little angry. And maybe you walk into work every day a little bit bitter, a little bit on edge. And I think this morning you need to be reminded that you don't have to walk into work that way. I think we can claim a promise that God gave to the next leader of Israel who actually led them into the promised land that was, um, what was his name? Joshua, thank you, sorry. Have you ever had like a moment where you blanked out? There it was, it happened. (laughs) So Joshua was the next leader of the people of Israel. And God said to him, before they stepped into the promised land, he said, Joshua, listen, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you're dealing with a tough work situation, you can claim that promise and you can walk into work tomorrow with God's courage and God's strength, knowing that God's gonna work this thing out for you. He's gonna work this thing out. You just gotta trust him and you gotta be obedient to him on the journey. Maybe you're facing a a medical journey that's gotten you afraid. I know a number of folks in our church family that have been in that spot. They've been in a spot where they've had to have total dependence upon God. And if God didn't show up, they were sunk. And maybe you feel that way. Let me remind you this morning that God can work in your situation. He has options. He has more options. Maybe the doctors have no more options for you. Maybe the medical report has no more options for you. But God always has more options. And he's the one we need to be turning to on this journey. He's the one we need to be trusting with this journey, understanding that God might have us on this detour, not just for ourselves, but maybe for someone else. There's a good chance that your detour is going to lead you to somebody else's detour. And you're going to get to encourage them on their detour. And maybe they're sitting there going like, I don't even know if God exists. And maybe God's allowed you to go through what you're going through so you could sit next to that person. 
and you can speak words of life to them and tell them about our great God who's aware of their suffering, who cares about their suffering, who's going to rescue them, and who has options. So maybe that's your next step. Maybe you're in a spot where you're just weary. Detours have the ability to do that to us. They have the ability to wear us out, where we get so tired on the, on the detour that we're tempted to quit. Let me encourage you this morning, do not quit. Your God has something great for you. Just keep moving, keep taking a step of faith and trusting that God is gonna do something supernatural in your situation that only he can do. So continue to trust him. Now, maybe none of that applies to you. Like Maybe you're not on a detour right now. And if you're not, great. But I, I probably, I think there's probably a really good chance that God might want you to help somebody else on their detour. Kind of like Moses helped the Israelites. There's a really good chance there's somebody around you who is lost in a detour. And what you can do is you can come alongside of them and you can cry out to God with them and for them. You can remind them every day, God's aware of their suffering. God cares about them in their suffering. God's gonna rescue them. And God has options that they don't even know what are available. So if you're not on a detour, there's a really good chance God wants you to help somebody else on their detour. One of the things I ask of all of us is in this next uh, three weeks is to find somebody that you know who's on a detour and invite them to come. Maybe encourage them. If they're not in our community, encourage them to watch our online services where they can follow along with this series. I think this is a series that can help many of us. And I think there's a lot more for us to learn. So we've got to commit, like, I'm going to come and I got to bring somebody with me because I know somebody who's on a detour right now. Now I'm going to pray, close this out in prayer. And when I finish, we're all going to sing together about God fighting for us. So whatever situation that you're in, be reminded this morning that God's aware, that God cares. And God's fighting for you. God will rescue you. Allow him to guide you. Allow him to transform inside of you what needs to be transformed so he can lead you to that promised land that he has for you. Let's pray together. Lord, we look into the Bible and there are moments that we come along stories like the Israelites in Exodus and we see their story and we think like what can we learn from a group of people that lived so long ago and that God as we start reading their story we can find ourselves in it and we realize yeah like I kind of do stuff like that as well I behave that way I think that way I act like that And Lord, there's so many things that we can learn from the Israelites in this story about detours. And so God, thanks for the reminder this morning that you are aware of our situations, that you do care about the pain that we experience in life, that you will show up and rescue us, and that you are a God of options. 
And Lord, this morning, there just might be some folks that are just on that spot where they're like maybe new to a detour or they've been on this detour for a long time and they're just, they're just wondering like, where are you? What's going on? Lord, I pray that you would show up and show off in a supernatural way. And I pray that they would take a step of faith. I pray that they would trust you. Whatever that step may be for them, I pray that they would take today and this week. I pray that they would come back. I pray that they would commit to that because there's a lot more for us to learn on this series together. Thanks for the reminder this morning, Lord, as well, that you're a God who fights for us. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen.